Jeremiah chapter 1 has something to tell us, and we're going to turn to some more places in Scripture. Today I'm going to try to be as simplistic as I can and forthright as I can. I'm not going to press the issues, I'm just going to read the Word of God. And how many of you think that this Word is from the Lord? It is how He wanted it, and all other words will pass away, but this Word will never pass away. This Word is forever. It may mean that every book that's been ever written by human form, except the Word of God as given by inspiration to human beings, every book that's ever written, every magazine, every publication that's ever happened in human history may be burned up, but this Word's going to last forever. So if you're going to bank your life on something that's going to last as long as you are, better get in tune with this letter from God. Amen. Let every other man be a liar. Let society decide what they want to decide. But ladies and gentlemen, this book is the final measure of human existence. And we'd better stay with it. I'm going to be plain today. I know I'm going to get into some kind of little dangerous territory. But I think the pulpit should be straight and forward in a society that is struggling. And so I I trust you'll bear with me this morning because... A word of truth needs to go forth to this society. I just want to pray before we speak this morning. Father, I pray that you'd just let your spirit sit in this place. Ready us, if you will, Lord, for your word. Anoint us to speak and to hear. But Lord, beyond that, may we obey and may we also take your word this morning and be bold, Lord, for we serve a world today that needs us sorely, and I ask it to glorify our Christ. In Jesus' name, let everybody say amen. Amen. These words are so powerful. I haven't done it in a long time, and I know you've been standing. I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of a few words, if you will. Jeremiah chapter 1, and we're going to read at verse 4. This is, Jer- this is God speaking to Jeremiah. Listen to what he says. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Did you get that? Let's say that together. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, this is Jeremiah, listen to his response. Ah, Lord God, but I cannot speak, for I'm a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Those few verses are powerful. Packed, ladies and gentlemen, with some truth this world needs to hear today. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's word is forever. You may be seated. We just read in verse 6 where Jeremiah was a young man. And God said some things to him. When he called him to be a prophet, Jeremiah said something like this, Lord, I do not know how. I can't do that. I'm inadequate. I'm young. I'm inexperienced. On and on and on, perhaps. God replied to him something that we should realize. 
How many of you have ever been asked to do something that you're afraid to do? How many of you had to do it afraid? How many of you are glad you did? When God says, I'm calling you to something, going to ask you to do something, sometimes human fear will come in, but if you'll do that, even afraid, God will anoint you, and you find out you can do a lot more than you think you can, and it's Satan business to try to keep you diminished and try to keep you as small and as ineffective as possible. So whatever God says, do it, even if it's afraid, you'll be amazed of how God will use your life. God wants to do a whole lot more through most of us than we probably think. Man fears one of the most, one of the most, I think, used tricks of Satan to try to keep us from doing something for the Lord. Yes, sometimes we're young and maybe we don't know as much as we do when we're older. But ladies and gentlemen, God will take us and use us just like He ordained for us to be called. In essence, in verse 7, I'm going to paraphrase this very quickly. When God called him, Jeremiah said, I'm a youth. And perhaps he went on. But this we do know. God said, in essence, don't harp about your limitations. I said, obey me. We, we sometimes in this new society lead to, need to understand that sometimes not everything is questionable. Uh, how many had a parent here that, that would say to them in times past, do this for me? And you'd say, why? And the answer was, because I asked you to do that. How many has ever heard that? You know, we, that sounds like it's forceful and all that. Here's our problem with it. Rebellion has been taught in our schools and in our world today through Hollywood and the message to where we don't understand sometimes rank and file and authority. I will tell you this, the military knows how to teach you not to question and rebel against everything. You're here, you're mine. We, I'll never forget when I hit the ground at, at boot camp and suddenly my mama loved me, my daddy loved me, my sisters loved me. Well, I didn't love them, but they loved me. No. I just went there and I just, all of a sudden that DI jerked me out of a two and a half ton truck, threw me on that pavement with my big large bag and he said, Get off my street. I'm your mama. I'm your father. I'm your brother. I'm your daddy. I'll tell you what to do, how to breathe, when to eat. I'll tell you everything. And I mean kicking me and pushing me all the way up that hill. And I was going, well, don't you think we ought to talk about this? Don't you think we ought to do Well, what if I don't want to do that? What if I don't feel like doing that? What if my tummy's upset? You don't say a word. You just get it done. Because that's authority. Something we don't pay much attention to today. Nobody in this society wants anybody telling them anything to do. But I got news for you, young people, and mom and dad. There's always going to be in your life somebody with more power and somebody in a higher position that's going to tell you once in a while what to stink and do. That's Greek and Hebrew. And if you don't like it, then don't take a paycheck. I told you I'm going to push pretty hard. When I told my sons to do something, I expected it to be done. If I wanted to go through all the why and the where, I would explain that. But the first thing is, I son, do this, do this. Make it happen. If you have questions, ask them afterwards. How many of you know some things are really important at this moment? 
One thing the military taught me too, you keep obeying the last order you received until it's changed. That way you always know what to do. Okay, I've already taken a trail I didn't intend to take. But here he is, God. This is God. This is the Creator saying to a young man, I knew you before I ever formed you, and I put a job, a task in front of you. Now get this done. But I can't stop using excuses, do what I said. Okay, we need revival, don't we? History tells us that Jeremiah was approximately 19 years old when this happened. But I can tell you this, after he spoke for over 40 years as an oracle of God, I believe that he and God came to an agreement. Verse 5, if you still have your Bibles open, I want to say this for the 21st century. And this may be controversial in our world, but it's not controversial compared in this book. This is real. 21st century, let's get it straight once and for all. God was before you were born. God was before you were born. God was sovereign before you were born. Nobody questions sovereignty. This is life. This is the creator. Nobody questions sovereignty. God spoke things into your life and Jeremiah's life before we were born. God is before all things. God is above all things. God is an amazing God. The word sovereign means exactly what it says. There is no questioning sovereignty. There is no backing up. Nothing. He is sovereign. Ladies and gentlemen, God is in absolute control. So I, I, I'm going to mention some things I don't have to spend much time on, but let's get some things really straight in century 21. First of all, God is Lord of life. God is Lord of life. So the question comes from, it always has through every generation, where do babies come from? Parents, I'm, grandparents, I'm going to help you here. When, when someone asks, Mommy, Daddy, where do babies come from? Here's the answer. God makes them. Ver, look, look at it. Look at 4 and 5. Then the word came. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. But God formed babies. God forms babies. God forms babies. Amen. Since life is designed by God, and He's the one that forms them, He's the one that chooses all the things about us that are unique. He selects our gender. He chooses us for a particular purpose. He says, I have a call on your life. And let me just be plain. There's some things men are made for, and some things women are made for, and that's not to be confused. Listen, I can't carry a baby in my womb. You know why? Because I don't have one. How much plainer do we need it than that? How much more simple? Listen, God formed us in His heart, His mind, 
for a purpose. You are here not by accident. You are here by divine appointment. And God has a purpose for your life just as you are and what He can do from this moment forward. This seems so simple to me. But Satan will try to do everything he can to pervert God's mind and God's intentions. And let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Hollywood and the liberal crowd today will try to get us to question everything about all of that. I want you to know that is a message out of the pit of hell and it will send you to the very place you don't even want to believe in. Is that straight enough? You're not going to change what God intended. You may change it, but you're going to destroy your life. Hollywood is not on your side. This modern world and all of its theology that gets away from this book that says it's archaic, it has nothing to say. Listen, let every man be a liar. Let God's word be true. Everything in this book is going to turn out exactly like God said. And you can say, well, pastor, I don't like that. You can like it. My grandparents and mom and dad say, you can like it, you can lump it, you can laugh it. But it's true and that's how it's going to be. Don't you wish we could get back to some simplicity like that? If you'll believe this book, you can. Transgenders. It's a sick mind. It's a satanic deception. It's a breach of creation. Let me just be plain, and I realize I'm on Facebook. I don't know what, I I just think it needs to be said. Listen, God made a man shaped so that he could procreate with a woman. And a woman's body was made so she could procreate with a man. And anything other than that is perversion. It's perversion. And it's a lie from hell. And this generation needs to know it. You need to to stop listening to the lies out of hell. Because I will tell you it will send you there. Eventually. I'll probably get phone calls all over this country this week. I tell you what. Just call up the author of this book. Discuss it with him. I didn't write it. God was before you were born. He was sovereign before you were born. He speaks things into us. God is before above all. God is amazing. God is the Lord of life. Secondly, a fetus is a human being. It's not going to turn out to be a kitty cat or a puppy or a spider or a giraffe. It's going to turn out to be a human being. How many glad you came this morning? I just, I just go, I, my, my heart, my heart breaks. I see this society and I see what Satan's doing to it. It's taking this word and throwing it aside and it's destroying our youth. It's destroying this nation. A fetus is a human being. The sewers of America has been running red with the blood of our unborn babies and God will not ignore that murder. Amen. 
Watch this. Our birth is not our beginning. Listen. Our conception, just follow me a minute. Our conception is not our beginning. Both, prior to both of those things, our birth and our conception, prior to that, God had knowledge of us. I want to preach on you this morning. That's my intro. Here it is. I want to preach on what God has done to you and for you before you were born. Verse 5 says, God said this, I did something. Watch what, he's, watch what he did. I think we'll be on the screen. It says, I formed you. I knew you. I sanctified you. That means I consecrated you. I set you apart for a special purpose. And then he said, I ordained you. I give you the power and my anointing to accomplish that. So if he formed me for it, and he knew me, and he gave me the assignment, empowers me to do it, that's, that's a pretty complete plan, don't you think? Four verbs, but watch it. Four action verbs prior to our birth. I don't know if you remember or not, but verbs have what we call tenses. Present or past, but more I'm more talking about what is called perfect tense or imperfect tense. Can I tell you that the last three of those words are perfect tense? The first one is called imperfect tense. How many remember grammar? Verse 5 says, Before I formed you, watch that sequence. We have to take the first verb and place it last in the list. Pastor, what are you saying? Thus, here's what he's saying. I knew you. I consecrated you. I appointed you. Anointed you. And then I formed you. You have to get the perfect tense and the imperfect tense in right order. Let's say it again. I knew you. I consecrated you. I appointed you. And then I formed you. Number one, he said, I knew you. The, the Hebrew there is Yadah. It means, I, rec- I, I, I recognized you. I designed you. I have a designation for your life. I was well acquainted with you before I ever formed you. I knew you. This isn't mechanics. This isn't intellectual knowledge of you, though that was. He said, I knew you. That word, Yodal, means I had intimate, personal relation with you before I formed you. I knew you rationally, relationally. I set my heart on you in affection and before the worlds were spoken into existence, I loved you. Before you even had any form. God calls Jeremiah and he says, I want you to speak for him. And Jeremiah says, I can't. God calls you and he calls me. And we need to know this. He's called us even before we were born. God called every one of us in this room. 
And God said, I've called you, and I've not only called you, I've formed you for that purpose, and I give you the power for it, and I'm requesting that you obey me. I commit myself to see that you're a success. Jeremiah, when when he responded, well, wait a minute, Lord, I can't. Can I put it in other words? God said, I, I don't harp on your inadequacies. Don't tell me about rebellion. Do what I said. Obey me. And your life will turn out more than you could ever fathom it would be. That's a promise from God. Secondly, he said, I sanctified or consecrated you. I set you apart for a special service. I made you special. I had the plan in my mind and I accomplished it. Listen, this is not election. But simply this, God had a foreknowledge of my and your free choice that when He offered us salvation, we would take it. And so He predestined us to that call, to that work, and that's what He wants us to do. And happiness in life goes right and a lot better when you're right smack in the middle of what God called you to do. So let me just say this, if there's a lot of dissonance in your life and there's a lot of inferiority and there's a lot of fear and there's even rebellion or if there's trying to find out what's right and wrong, there's so much turmoil, get still and get in God's mind and God's heart and God's will because you'll know a peace there you'll never know anyplace else. He said, I set you apart. Thirdly, he said, I ordained you. That means I will anoint you that you'll succeed. God says, I give you a task. I give you a purpose for living. Before you were even formed physically, I had the purpose and my will in mind so that your life will stand before me someday for eternity to live in my heaven that I prepared for you. And I'm going to say, well done. Done. You've been a good and faithful servant. And can I put a postscript to it? Satan may come with every power he has, every demon in hell, and every kind of witchy concept, and and demonic concept, and shaman concept, and witch doctor concept, and Hollywood concept about how life should be. But you obey God's will, and I will tell you this, you get to live in God's heaven, and you won't go to the hell that God built for Satan and his demons. It's pretty simple. I hadn't been looking at my wife because she's probably going, settle down. <laughs> no? Well, mark it up. <laughs> God said, before I ever formed you, I had all this commanded for you. I want to go to Psalm 139. Listen to some powerful words. 139, verse 13. This is God speaking. To David, listen, for you formed my inward parts, my heart, my spirit, my mind, my will, my emotions, my affections, everything about me. You formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. This is the place where God formed. I will praise you for I am fearfully. What has Satan ever created except chaos and death? As a matter of fact, nobody creates anything. God creates and we try to recreate it. God's the only real creator. 
I love the story. I'm going to stop. I, I, I know some of you already know what I'm going to say. Well, just get used to it because it's really good. Here's the, you, the scientist come and said, hey, God, we, can, we decided we can make our own man. Oh, really? Yeah, we've, we've advanced in science until we can make our own human being and we can make them alive and all that. And God said, okay, show me. And they reached down and got some clay and started. God said, time out, make your own dirt. Because, see, you, man can't pull something out of nothing, but God can command it and it'll happen every time. Wow. See, we have such a low view of God, we try to make Him like us. I listened years ago, Oprah on television. She said, I sat in a church one Sunday and she was talking about, she said, God said, I'm a jealous God. And she went, well, that's no better than me or anybody else. And she totally missed it. Satan used that one line to destroy that woman's whole heart. I'm, when she said, I'm jealous of you, she took it as if God was jealous about who, what, what happens here. God was saying, I'm so jealous for you because Satan's after you. I formed you. I loved you. I planned eternity for you. And I'm jealous for you. It was saying, I love you beyond your measure. But Satan lied about it. Can I tell you something this morning? God loves you no matter what. Stop letting Satan tell you anything else. God is for you. God is for you. Not against you. I was fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And that my soul, my mind, my will, my affections, my instincts know that. Verse 15. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest part of the earth, your, watch this, listen to this, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. Can I tell you that this is God's Spirit speaking and saying, my spirit and my soul which only this word can divide asunder. He already had that soul and that spirit in a unity. And he said these words, when I was made in secret, uh, my eyes saw my substance yet being unformed. You know why? Because to be blunt about it, the sperm and the egg hadn't come together yet. But the second it does, God put that soul and spirit there that's been around for eons of time. He knew you like that. Skillfully wrought. Verse 16. And in your book they are written, the days fashioned for me. In God's heart, in God's mind, because of God's word, every step, every day I live was fashioned by my Creator. Yet, watch this, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of. You tell me that God is not a sovereign God. Let's, let, let, let every man and every devil and every demon be a liar, but God speaks truth. Wow. You want to know life's greatest frustration? You want to know what it's like to live in misery? 
You want to know what it's like to be tormented in your mind and in your spirit and in your life and feel less than as if everybody else gets it and you don't, as if you're the one out, all that. You want to know what that feels like? Follow the lives of Satan. But if you want peace and knowing God, get in His purpose, ladies and gentlemen. Even in the midst of a battle, God will see that His peace and His mercy supplied to you will grant you victory. All this before I formed you. The word before in Hebrew means before. How many of you you heard that? You know what the word Hebrew means in Hebrew? Before means before. Actually, it's teram. It means to interrupt the beginning. Interrupt the beginning. So it's like God saying, I'm going to form you, but first, biblically in our text this morning, I'm going to form you, but first, I'm going to get close to you. I'm going to set you aside. I'm going to form you for the job that I have for you. And I'm going to give you that purpose. And I'm going to call you that to that purpose. And then I'm going to form you. And when we arrived, we were soft and pretty and big-eyed. Can you just believe how tender and sweet baby skin is? Innocent and pure. Don't you wish you were still that innocent? That form word is yetzar in the Hebrew. It means to be squeezed gently into shape. It means to be molded. God took what God took what he knew. God took what he set up. God took what he spoke into being. God took what he purposed and then he formed you and formed me to that design. Well, to praise God, we're here just because he said so. Just because he said so. And I want to pay notice on you this morning. Don't you let Satan destroy the reason and the purpose for which God made you no matter what. Ephesians 2 and 10. Listen to this verse. Ephesians 2, 10. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works and God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That verse of Scripture, inspired by the Spirit of Paul, reached all the way before the earth was even formed and said, God has formed us for the purpose we are here today. Listen, you're not just some accident somewhere that came by whim because somebody had hormone stirring. You're here by divine appointment. The lesson is this. If I complain, and I doubt... And I complain, and I don't obey. If I dwell on inadequacies, which Pastor did for a long time, I can't meet this, I can't meet the requirements, I can't be good enough. Actually, you know what I was doing? I was accusing God of not knowing what He's doing when He's trying to get me to do something. And listen. God God will wait until we agree because He's not going to change it. 
Because He's already formed us for a call and a job and a purpose and a plan. And when we don't, when we don't acquiesce, when we don't obey it, we vote. Let's live in misery. Let's live with all kinds of, of poison in us. Let's live no peace. Let's live thinking we'll take our life because we don't know what to do with it. I've counseled people by hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Satan tried to destroy them because of the battle he puts in their mind. You know where most of that battle comes from? Listen to me. You know where most of that battle comes from? It comes out of pain. Ask the counselors. You know what? Satan will bring a pain to your life and try to break your heart and break your mind and break your spirit so that he can break your body and keep you from doing what God wanted you to do. And maybe know I'm telling us the truth. Wow. Don't complain about it. Ephesians 1, listen to these verses. 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before Him in love. I want to ask you something. How long does it take for a mom and dad to love a baby once it's born? The truth is we love that baby before it ever gets here. The truth is we plan for that baby. I'll tell you something funny. My wife and I were expecting Quint, our oldest son. Listen, we'd never had a baby before. That's why he was the first one. <laughs> kind of amazing. So we decided we had to go get a bassinet or a place to put a baby. And you know, I mean, this is, how many of you know that, that parents don't have, they don't have, uh, they don't have outlines and they don't have blueprints and you just become mom and dad and thank God for grandmas and grandpas. They'll tell you. They'll tell you how to make this happen, if you will. But when that baby's born, listen, we went shopping one day for a bassinet at a furniture store, and when we got home, we had a new stereo. <laughs> and I said, well, we can put him on the old turntable record player and let him turn around and around and around. <laughs> That's how smart we were. When I think Quint turned out pretty good for what he started with for parents. <laughs> Aren't we, aren't we silly sometimes? You don't know how. You, it's, it's a new thing. It's, it, it's an assignment. But it doesn't take long to love that child. I'll never forget when Quint was born. Back then they wouldn't let you go in to the birth. So my wife birthed Quint and the, the nurse came out and had about four or five sheets, I thought. And I just thought it was a bundle of sheets. And she come out and she said, Dad, do you want to see your son? And I said, sure. I thought she was going to take me somewhere. And she just peeled that sheet back. And all I saw was two huge eyes. I mean, 
big eyes. And here's this 10-pound, 3-ounce boy. They like you. <laughs> you can't see him. He's in the drum booth. <laughs> I mean, I, I, when they showed me Quinn, I just went, I touched his skin, and I immediately inside was rotten from that day on. Just mush. How many of you know you had to get tough again? I just, and my dad, six foot one, 240 pounds, stood up and he said, watch this wisdom. He said, see that boy, son? I said, yes, sir. He said, now you'll pay for your raising. How many of you know that was true? Wow. (laughs) You want to play a solo right quick? (laughs) Do you know that God loved us 10,000, 10 trillion times more before we ever formed than we do our children when they are formed? We don't understand how God loves us. We don't understand how God has a purpose for us. Genesis 1 and 1 said this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Everybody's Genesis 1 and 1 with me. Say Genesis 1 and 1. Genesis 1 and 1. In the beginning God created the heavens But I want you to go to the verse before that. I'm going to stay there a second because I want you to get it. I want you to go to the verse just before that. And that's when God knew you. That's when God knew you. Jeremiah said, God, I'm a child. I can't, I can't. And God said, I have created you. I've known you. I've appointed you. I'm going to empower you. And I formed you for my purpose. Do you know the word Jeremiah means Jehovah establishes? Here's a rock you can put your life on. Jeremiah, God said, I want you to live. And I want to speak this to you today. Let me speak as the Lord speaks to you. I want you to live with a divine purpose in your life. I did not create you to be hurt and wounded and be destroyed. I created you that you might be a success because greater is the spirit that I put in you than the spirit of this world that will destroy you. Don't you let a pain, don't you let a heartbreak, don't you let anything in your life tell you that God doesn't love you and you're less than you used to be. You are God's apple of his eye you're his prime masterpiece creation Amen. can I tell you that every one of us are a designer's model nobody's ever made another you and God's never going to make another you listen for centuries if every snowball is different God can make you and he has made you you're a designer's model there is no one like you I'm going to I'm going to end this. I want us to recall the verb tenses. There were three perfect. 
and one imperfect. Perfect tense in a verb means this. If my, if my grammar teacher taught me correctly. Perfect sense, tense means this. The action is completed. Imperfect tense means that the action is ongoing. So watch this grammar lesson. He knew us. He sanctified us. He gave us a job and power. That's all done. It's completed. Then He formed us. And that's the imperfect tense. It means that He's still working on every one of us. How many of you know we all still need some work? (laughs) I'm hoping my wife just raised her hands for her own sake over there. How many of you all know we need some work? How many of you have been hurt and wounded deeply in your soul? Let me see your hand. How many of you have had somebody just cut your heart out of you? How many here have ever been abused? Verbally, physically, mentally, emotionally. Those are all tricks of Satan trying to destroy you for the purpose for which God has made you. And I beg you this morning, do not listen to the message of this world. Listen to the message of God to Jeremiah. By the way, God's no respecter of person. Everything He did for Jeremiah in that Old Testament, He's done for you and me in the New Testament. Except it's more personal today. We don't have to go through a curtain and a high priest. Christ is our high priest. Direct to the throne, to the mercy seat of God's grace. No wonder the songwriter said, here I am, melt me, mold me, use me. Young people, don't you let Satan wound you and hurt you till you miss the will of God in your life. Don't you let him have your precious life. Don't you give in to the lies of this world. They do not love you. They will use you just like the devil that spawned their blindness. God will love you. God will pick you up. God will help and heal a wounded heart. And God will set you on your feet and put you on your way. He will empower you for the very reason He formed you. I almost missed it. As a young man, I almost missed it. I tried to go my own way. I tried to do everything else. But I want to tell you, with every fiber in my being, I am so glad I fell on my face and said, God, whatever you want me to do, here I am. Good, bad, all that's going to have to turn out like you handle it. But I'm yours. And God wants you to pray that prayer this morning. Young people, God wants to put some fruit in your life. College students, God wants to use your life on a campus. Mom and dad, grandparents, parents, you are ordained. Every person in this room, you are ordained by God to be witnesses to this late generation. 
and stand behind and for and in the truth and the power of this word so this last generation does not fall prey to the lies that are spewing out of hell today to destroy this society. My young son came in a day or two ago and we got to spend yesterday with him and Quentin and Michelle came out and we visiting like families do. We were talking about how all of us have personalities. And, you know, somebody can try to say something and not intend, but I sort of got shot yesterday. What do you mean, Pastor? We were talking about our grandkids. And Quentin and Michelle said, well, Aggie, or Ashley, I call her Aggie, my granddaughter. You know her. She's raised here. She's in college. And I said, how's she doing? She said, well, she's doing pretty good, but she's really having some problems. And I said, what about? Well, she has her mindset, and she's not buying the theology of this world, and it makes her lonely. And something around this point was, and I'm, I'm going really well, not a lot of friends because you know why she believes this book. And I'm thinking that's wonderful. And then I don't know who said it, sort of like granddad. And I said, what do you mean? Somebody's stubborn mind. And I'm sure they were talking about Michelle's dad. Not Quint's dad. I'm going to set my mind on anything. It's going to be on this book. 